Hello and welcome to Talk the Line. I'm Jen Long. This is the podcast where I talk to a musician, it's usually a musician, about something that they're secretly passionate about. Sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's surprising, most of the time it's pretty enlightening. We upload a new episode every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkTheLine. You can follow me at Jen Long and please do get in touch. It gives me something to do for the rest of the week. And if you like this podcast, please do us a favour and subscribe. Annie Hart made her name as one third of Au Revoir Simone, a band she initially formed almost 15 years ago after befriending Erica Forster on a train ride from New York to Vermont. Along with Heather D'Angelo, Au Revoir Simone have released four records and despite their last coming out almost half a decade ago, the trio's star remains on the ascent with several appearances on the third season of Twin Peaks earlier this year. The show's creator David Lynch has been a fan for many years. Signed to Moshi Moshi in the UK, the band have toured alongside the likes of Friendly Fires and Slow Club and been remixed by the likes of Jens Lechman and Aeroplane. The Long Island-born Annie released Impossible Accomplice, her first solo record in the summer, and I met her when she came to the UK to play at Margate's By the Sea Festival. As an independent musician, Annie's managed the finances for Au Revoir Simone since the band's inception, as well as her own, and today we're talking about her surprising financial expertise. I think the last time I saw you was at Latitude Festival. Oh, few years so ago. Great. And so we had like a dance party because Rebecca Slow Club Rebecca was there as well. I think I, I think Au Revoir Simone wasn't even playing. Were you just there to hang out? I think. We were hanging out with Slow Club and that's where we <gasps> met Phoenix and they ended up like we hitched a ride with them back and I've never been more embarrassingly drunk <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Because we I did so many embarrassing things oh on that bus. Babe. I'm still mortified. Did you didn't poo on it? Did you? No. Okay. No, yeah, I know yeah. that. No. What I did was I was sitting across from my bandmate, who I really joke around with a lot, and she was sitting next to one of the guys in Phoenix, and I was like, kind of like grabbing her leg, like a little maybe you could say sexually, right? But thinking, and I was like, why isn't she reacting? So I was going like really over the top and rubbing, <laughs> rubbing her leg. I was like, she's really keeping a straight face. I can't believe she's keeping this up. I was rubbing the guy from <gasps> Phoenix's leg. Oh no! I'm still, I still blush. You are blushing. I'm right still now. blushing. It's oh like God. I feel really. Did you say anything, or did you just style it out? I did. No, I did say it. I was like, wait, that's not your leg. And then I like ran away and just like <laughs> didn't talk to Erica. Well, that was to Heather. I it was did to it. Heather. Yeah. Oh, but in the midst oh. of all that that crazy partying, I remember you gave me your business card. Oh my God! You got and one of my Mexican business cards. You gave me a business card that said bookkeeper on it. Yeah, I'm still a bookkeeper for this. I don't <laughs> hand out the card because I realize I hate bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> I do it. I just thought that's always stuck in my memory. I always thought it was so weird because we were at a music festival, we were like drinking, we were dancing in front of the stage, and you were like, "If you ever need a bookkeeper," I was like, "Okay, thanks, lady from Oravos Simone." Okay. <laughs> Actually, so I've been working. I've been working for this um, fashion <laughs> photographer, Sebastian Kim, for about eight years now uh, as his bookkeeper. And he's a big Envoi Simone fan. Mm. And that's ki- I think that's why I was hired. But um, he keeps me around. He lets me go on tour. And I keep his books. That's I great. keep Envoi Simone's books. Right. So do you, you've, you've got quite a lot of experience in the world of... Yeah, I started out in the nonprofit. 
So you trained world. and you're yeah. like a qualified... I don't What do you need to be a bookkeeper? Like a qualified accountant? No, you or? need to act like you know what you're doing. So is it just like a basic skill? Or you yeah, I was just math? trained by somebody... So I well, said the American math there and then caught myself. Yeah, maths. I'm like good at maths. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't... Um, you don't actually need it because there's programs that do it for you. I think it's... If you're doing an old-fashioned book and ledger system, which I mm-hmm. think you really have to be over the age of 85 to still be using that system, then you need to be good at it. But otherwise, Excel or QuickBooks or Peachtree or whatever you're using does mm. it for you. So all you have to do is plug in the numbers, know where to plug them. You're good to go. Because there's a lot... I feel like it's become a thing recently where uh, there's a lot of like startups and technology systems that are all claiming that they can do your bookkeeping for you and they can make your... like tax returns or your VAT returns like super easy yes and there's like apps that you can get on your phone like zero is one that I've used previously in different places of work where you know you like go out for a coffee meeting and you take a photo of the receipt and you upload it and then they pay you the, your expenses oh th- so wait so from a photograph yeah the AI is able to decode the amount of your check oh no no you like have to put the numbers in like okay. the reason you were meeting the person and where you met them and the date and everything into the system and the, but someone then someone like okays it you're back at bookkeeping HQ did you ever did you follow through did you do it a lot did you do it for a whole year yeah and how did it work out for you well I mean I, I wasn't in charge of the computer system but I do do my own bookkeeping. No, but you did enter the receipts. I put all the receipts in and they just paid me my expenses every month, which was great. It was easier than keeping a bit of receipt paper, you know? Yeah, I have this system. My system is I put all the wa- my receipts in my wallet mm-hmm. and then I take them out. And as I take them out, I enter them into a spreadsheet that has a column for every category. Oh, my God, I have that. That's what I well, that's what I was doing, and then I realised it's super annoying carrying receipts around. So I thought this was the year that I was going to go paper free. Yeah. And so I set up a Dropbox account, and I took a photo of all the receipts and uploaded them all into my Dropbox folder, uh-huh. so I could chuck the receipts out. But then that was like by about March, I as I was like New Year's resolution, I'm going to start this all in January, which I should have started it all in April. That's when our financial year is. Oh. Um, yeah, two months in, I just I just started storing them all in my wallet again, thinking, I'll take a photo of that in a bit. Yeah, you know, so the, <laughs> I would never be able to do the Dropbox thing because if, if for me, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's yeah. like my inbox in my email functions as my to-do list mm-hmm. and my papers that are clogging up my wallet and making me look like a total doofus every time I pay for a drink <laughs> in front of somebody are my embarrassing call my shame my call of shame to do my bookkeeping Mm. so i don't think i would ever be motivated to look into the dropbox for my photos of the receipts so to then input it into the spreadsheet yeah i need a physical reminder it's almost like synthesizers like i'm not very i hate digital synths i like tactile turning the knob we're, we're kind of old school analog yeah we missed being millennials didn't we we're in that like weird Generation Z or whatever that they call it. Oh, is that what we are? Something like that, yeah. We miss being Generation X, but we kind of miss being millennials. Yeah. So mm. we're Generation Blah. Yeah. Generation Awesome. Generation I think we need a better Excel. <laughs> generation <laughs> Excel. <laughs> Tactile. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, I think it's important to keep track of your finances. Yeah, so talk me through your system and, and what, what you kind of do day by day. So I have 
um, I have a system for my personal expenses, and then I have a system for the band. I have a system for Annie Hart, the solo project. I have another set of books for Ovoa Simone, and then obviously I do bookkeeping on the side. And those major ones I do in, in a program called QuickBooks. Okay. Which... I, d- I don't know if you have it here. In the I UK. think we do. I think, but I think there's other. There's, a, there's been like a, a spate of new kind of like bookkeeping finance-driven software. I feel recently. That's what I was kind of going on. It seems to be like a kind of in vogue topic. That's good. Moment. I think that's financially prudent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I've noticed. I just really want to say, if you're gonna go QuickBooks you decided if you have the dedication to t- keep track of your expenses for more than two months you know you're really doing it you should get quickbooks if you have a business um but just buy just spring whatever it is for the desktop version because they have this online version that quickbooks always tries to sell you to or upgrade you to mm. but in order to get any functionality that any business owner or band or anybody needs you have to pay like 50 dollars a month and over time that's, that's just it's extortion yeah. That's the thing. I was when I when I left my last job, and I was like, I really enjoyed the uploading receipts. So I was like, I'm gonna get zero. Yeah. And I looked into it, and it's like, yeah, it's like the super basic one. It's like ten pounds a month. But then if you want to do anything on top of that, like, and it kind of tricks you so that you have to put all your like invoices in and out of it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But then if you're doing like more than five invoices a month you have to spring up to pay like 25 quid a month or something and I was like hang on this is just like I'm trying to get do this so that my finances make sense but now this is not making sense financially and I just felt like I was in this weird catch-22 yeah and I think that that that's testament to how well you're keeping your books (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I think you know because you can be as basic as excel with you know making your invoices in word Mm -hmm. And sending I mean, them out. I just do it on Google Docs. Yeah, I do everything on Google Docs. So mm. I have my spreadsheet. Oh, on and Google then it's Docs. on your phone. I can do it, see it anywhere on any I'm computer. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. You just blew my mind. So you have Google Drive on your phone. Yeah. Your Excel, your spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Not ex- yeah. Your G Doc. Yeah. I've got them all. And then you can just put in the information just as you leave you know, the that's restaurant. That's the dream. I don't usually do it, but I could do it. I could do that if I were more organized. I'm not, I feel like I'm one level down from you. I feel like we also haven't properly explained bookkeeping for people who are listening who maybe oh, right. aren't as <laughs> if, if exciting still, as we are. If they're still listening. <laughs> Hi, we're really exciting, <laughs> but we're nerdy. But bookkeeping is what it what is it is it's inputting all your expenses and expenses into one place so you can keep track of them and you can do things from that like your end of year. I know that taxes are really different in the states from where they are here, but I feel like if you're not if you're self-employed over here, then you're going to understand what this is about. But if you're not self-employed and you know your employer pays you every month and you're like, there's my money, and then you spend it. And then you just sort of use your bank balance as a barometer. Lu- but when you're lucky, you yeah, lucky you. But when you're self-employed, you kind of need to think about what, how much am I going to have to pay at the end of the tax year back? And if you do VAT returns, it's like how much am I going to have to pay back in VAT at the end of the quarter? It's very complicated. Uh. But bookkeeping is like it's just keeping track of everything, ins and out, in, ins and outs. Yeah. Yeah. Does it? Stri- do you do the VAT? Do you do the, the do you do the end of year returns for No, okay. I don't have an accounting degree. We hire an accountant. Yeah, so you need but like I a give them all the materials. I think 
I think a mistake that a lot of people make in starting these kind of passion businesses, like I'm, I'm so into embroidery. I'll sell my embroidery at the fair and or whatever. I'm so excited about music. I'll do this music. Mm. Is that uh, the finances kind of get ignored? And there are I can't say I'm like excited about the whole idea of money and capitalism or anything like that. But I think if you really actually do care about your art or your project it's imperative for success that you alone understand bookkeeping and you understand what's going in and out of business because I've seen a lot of bands fail a lot of businesses fail when the owner just kind of hires someone to take care of it instead of being deeply involved as well right yeah like it's kind of like that thing where you get paid at the the end of the month and you're like I have so much money and then you just you know you're like yeah I'm gonna go shopping and you're like yeah we'll go out for dinner and you're like, I'll buy tickets to that gig and then two weeks later you look at your bank balance and you're like oh shit where did it all go where did it go you know and you forget that you have the direct debits and you forget that you know you ha- were due to renew your insurance or something and suddenly you're just like you, if you're not keeping track of things they just it gets out of hand yeah Definitely. And it's hard to keep track of. Yeah, it, but, but... Mentally. Mentally, it's hard to keep track of. But written down in a spreadsheet, especially if you're a tactile analog person, <laughs> yes. it's rather beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> and I, I think it's almost more about really understanding what are you wasting money on as an entity. Yeah. Whether it's as your human entity. For me, it was eating out. Right, You yeah. know, Because I can cook Mm. better than a lot of restaurants and more affordably (laughs) so what's the point of going out yeah um but i think it's just like kind of knowing what your achilles heel Mm. is or are see there's more than one a new um a new bank that started in the uk called monzo that uh well it's not quite a bank yet but um (laughs) a lot of people here are talking about it and a lot of people here are are getting on it and uh, it's essentially like a debit card that you preload uh-huh. so they're still applying for their banking license at the time of recording this podcast I think um, so they haven't been issued a full banking license yet but they're getting up to there and one of their selling points is that it comes with an app so as you spend money on your card on various things it categorizes that and can show you like uh, your monthly breakdown of where your money's going so you Do can see it on your phone and go oh my god I spent 200 quid on going out and eating out this month Wow. I should cook at home more. But you have to categorize it, or does it know based on where you're using it? Because I know when I do bookkeeping for the photographer, he has an American Express card, and the American Express people automatically say Cliff's classified itself as a restaurant in yeah. our system, so we're going to put this in your restaurant pie chart. Oh, can you get a pie chart from Amex? Yeah. Why have I? Because that's the thing. The reason I don't have Monzo is I'm like Air Miles. Right. I have the like wanky British Airways Amex. Well, then where I'm you constantly should check being it out. told, oh, we don't take that card. <laughs> right. <that's laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm Amex. like, tap it. And they're like, oh, we don't take that. One guy told me last week that he doesn't take IMAX, which I thought was really sweet because that's just a cinema. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, so I could, I could get a Monzo like. <laughs> <You're> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. I know. He's like, we don't take IMAX. I'm just going to let that one pass. (laughs) You pulled out your 3D glasses. 
What do you mean? <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah, okay. I really think like so you can get into there. Mm. My bank, you have you personally have to tell it what category everything is, right. which I'm never going to do because I have my little receipt in the shoebox system. Yeah. Pull it out of the wallet, put it in the Excel spreadsheet, put it in my shoebox. And my shoebox is for every year. Mm. At the end of the year, it goes into a manila envelope. Oh, my God. It's so brilliant. easy. It's so the easy, slobs. Though. Yeah. It's just sl- it's bookkeeping for slobs. <laughs> for other people, I'm very organized. Yeah, of Do course. Whatever system they have. Absolutely. They're paying me. <laughs> I'm going to get in there. <laughs> give them all their reports. Um, so what would be your tips then for people listening who maybe are playing in bands or thinking of starting a sort of small business or have a little enterprise on the side that they want to legitimize? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, keeping track of everything. And I mean everything. I think a lot of people's tendency is to let things slide, like tolls. Like if it's like two pounds, you're like, why would I need to keep track of two pounds for tolls? But you go through, yeah, you go through a lot of tolls. Well, you do in the States. We don't have so many here. Usually just if you're going over a fancy bridge, you might have to pay (gasps) a bit. Well, maybe coffee is a better example. Coffee, Why would I need to keep track of two pounds for a coffee? It's only two pounds. Yeah. But if you actually keep track of it, at the end of the month, you realize, wow, I've spent 50 pounds on coffee this month. That's really crazy. Yeah. And then you understand. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be saying that at Cliffs. If you're going to spend 50 pounds on coffee, I really recommend coming to Cliffs in Margate <laughs> and spending it here. I mean, it's, it is stuff. lovely here. But, yeah, I suppose, I mean, like Cliffs, they may, may have run out of milk today. And nipped across to the right. convenience store over the road and picked up a couple of pints of milk and just thought, well, you know, yeah, don't just take it out of the petty cash and don't label it. Yeah, big mistake. Okay, because I think it's kind of what we were talking about before, where you're just unconscious with your spending. And so there, I've, if you're gonna have a successful business, you need to be conscious. You need to be really focused on taking, keeping track of everything, and then looking at the summary of what it is because I think a lot of things happen that you're not aware of. Beer. Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee. You know, it's yeah. kind of those little things that add up and, and I think as like what I was saying, if all the successful bands and businesses that I know pay attention to that and they kind of keep a, a gentle mental tab on what is going on because I've just seen so many careers and so many businesses fail. Because they think throwing money at whatever problem it is, is the solution. Like, oh, we'll just get some more adverts and yeah. kind of, th- that'll keep it. But I'm actually having a problem with that right now. <laughs> because somebody on my behalf is spending all this money on advertisements. And I'm really nerdy. And I really like to understand, like, the psychology of advertisement, what kind of languages work on the advertisement. There's no sense in spending the artist's money on advertisements without understanding what Who I think you're the artist what you're trying yeah, to achieve. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of times the artist really understands their target demographic more than anybody who's helping them or working on their behalf. Right. So I think understanding your target demographic in whatever it is. In terms of the I see, I think that Facebook is, ve- is, pretty troublesome when it comes to advertising because I feel like it cons a lot of new bands into thinking yes. they're like you could get this many likes if you just yes. spend 10 pounds just boost this but when you just like click boost you ha- that's not it, you're not doing it properly are you you have to go into the power editor 
and you have to set up the campaigns and you have to optimize and do all the A-B testing and see which is working best and what your the, the wording you're using and all that stuff. Whereas it's just so, it's almost like a lazy, like kind trap. of trap. Yeah, where it's like, for just, just stick 10 pound behind it and you can reach all these people yeah. but that might not be the right people. R- exactly. And, and I think there's just so much to be said do your research before you embark on a project and try things out before you embark on a project. Like for a musician, especially there's all this great gear. So you think, Oh, I'm going to get this preamp and then everything's going to be awesome. And I'll spend $2,000 on this compressor. And it's going to, I get like, you should just borrow equipment, just borrow gear or from a friend and see, or try it out at a studio or do whatever you can to kind of, try things first and I think that's true like whatever if you have your embroidery tent Mm. try out somebody's cool canopy sunshade before you go ahead and buy one go see go look at the brand names do your research I feel like you can save a lot of money time and effort by putting in the work before you just throw money at a problem yeah there's so much out there there's so much on the internet about what's been effective what's worked for people and then also your friends. If you're in a creative field, it's almost inevitable that you have creative friends. Yeah. And you have to kind of see who's willing to talk to you, who's done it well, and who's not just going to kind of like blow hot air and yeah. give you bad advice. Because I feel like sometimes I don't trust reviews on websites. I feel, I've, I feel like sometimes the reviews are skewed negatively because I, I don't know why I would go back onto a website of something I bought to leave a nice comment. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know what the motivation would be because you just you just presume you're going to have a good experience. You're going to buy a product, it's going to arrive, and you're going to love it. And I feel like the only time when you want to give feedback is when that goes wrong, when that expectation is broken, and you're like, "How do I?" How? My vacuum cleaner didn't My pick up one grain of yeah, sand. and you just saw. like go on and you blast them, blast them a bad review. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It's, it's I find sometimes it's like difficult to find a balanced opinion on the internet or a balanced review do you know what I mean because people I think people just act ra- irrationally 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 I think in general you're right but uh, I think Amazon people in ge- people just buy things to review it on Amazon did you know about this whole phenomenon no that there's people there's a tier system of rewards it's the secret world of reviews and reviewers and how if you write enough reviews, then suddenly you start getting sent things in order to write reviews about them. And there's people who earn their living writing reviews for Amazon. And they're quality reviews. Like, they really test the things and let you know how it works. But I heard some podcasts they're interviewing somebody whose house is just filled with crap that Amazon Yeah, I was going to say, you, you just end up with so much stuff. Random things. Yeah. God, like I bought this bucket on there the other week because I, I needed a bucket for my flat and I, now I've redone the you bathroom. You bought a bucket on I Amazon? Because I saw this bucket called a scrunch bucket. Okay, right? special bucket. And it was like, you could scrunch it up. It was like kind of flimsy. So when it's full oh, of it was water, like it'd be solid. Silicone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great because I've redone the so bathroom, but I haven't got a space for a bucket now. And buckets are quite big when you think about yes. it. Like there's not much storage area in my flat. And right. so I was like, I don't want like a bucket just sat out on the side. I was like, this bucket looks amazing because I can like, well, you know, using it, fill it up and then 
rinse it out, screw it up, stick it under the sink. They have strainers like that, colanders like that. It arrived. It was bloody tiny. I was like, it's like literally something it's like that a, a kid takes pot. to a beach. Yeah, it was about that size. You and I was really like, fit a mop in there. Oh, What's no. the point of that? What's the point of that? Did you leave a review? I think I should now, yeah. I might write a review and say, not as big as it looks in the photo. I feel like that's helpful. That is helpful. I would really be sad. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little, I feel that melancholy feeling thinking oh. about you opening the box, looking forward to your clean floor. I was like, here we go. You know what my mother always used for the bucket in the bathroom? The toilet. Yeah. You just stick the mop in there. Does this make sense, actually? Ton of bleach. Ton of bleach. Well, ton of yeah. bleach. Well, see, this thing, I really disagree with the toilet brush. Does I it think argue they, they make me feel disgusted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> He's just always hanging enough. out, saying the bathroom's in use. Um, well, no, they're just gross, aren't they? They've always got little flaky bits of poo on them, and there's always like poo water at the bottom of the holder, and they're just like, they, I just feel like they're like festoon for germs. Yeah, I actually learned from an English person that this person had the cleanest toilet flush I've ever seen. They put bleach in the toilet yeah, thing. In the holder. Yeah. But then you just have like a thing full of bleach sat in your bathroom. And I just think they're weird. Slowly oh, getting cancer. I just put my hand down the loo. I just put really? my hand down and give it a clean. Wow. And then just wash your hand. That's amazing. Is that mad? I think that's like... No, I never grew up with a toilet brush. Yeah. That's amazing. I just don't really get what the problem is. I mean, it's like a loo, but it's, you know... There's like grosser things out there. Than a loo? I mean, my cat's got poo all over the flat. It's always stuck to a <laughs> bum, wiped off on something. Oh. Oh, it's pancake. Is it a long-haired cat? Yeah. She's always got a little bit of poo she hanging off somewhere. She needs a little shave. I'm you taking, shave I'm taking her, her, her to be groomed next Monday, yeah. little butt shave. little butt shave for Wax pancake. It. Ooh. I could do it in some could styles. Could you imagine waxing a cat? And <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've gone off topic. We've gone off topic. Um, back to bookkeeping. Can you talk me through the sort of spreadsheet if I, if someone's listening and they're like, do you know what? I, I don't want to get like a Monzo or something. I don't want an app. I just want to keep track of where I'm spending money. Right. Like what should I, you set up a spreadsheet with dates down one side and then columns across the top? Yes. Yeah. Or we have dates. A similar or? Mind. Okay. I, I have one spreadsheet for every year. So I have a spreadsheet uh -huh. called taxes 2016, taxes 2017, etc. And across the top, I don't know how your tax system works, but in the United States, we have local transport, out-of-town transport, you know, rent, meals, auto expenses, whatever expenses apply to your business and, and that are tax line. Oh, okay, so if I you're put doing in a if column. Your personal sort of, uh, as a, if you were just like, you didn't have to do a tax return at the end of the year and you just wanted to keep track, you could put whatever you wanted as the headings. Yeah, like um, health insurance. Yeah. For businesses deductible, stuff well, like that. I mean, that. obviously, we're blessed with the NHS here. Yeah. Do you guys even have any work to do on your bookkeeping? <laughs> it seems like you don't pay tolls. You don't pay health insurance. We are blessed currently, though. God knows what it'll be like in 10 years' time. Oh, God. That's way we're going. But that's a whole other podcast topic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And one that I don't really feel fully researched. The dystopian Brexited future. <laughs> Oh my God, there's got to be a musician that wants to do one on Brexit. <laughs> anyway, yeah, anyway. so you can stick whatever you want across the top. But then if you're doing a business, you need to figure out what's tax deductible. Yes. Okay. I, I, I'm assuming if you've done a business, 
whatever country you're in, you'll know. You can look that. You, you can know, call it's, it's the, your tax people. It's kind of obvious. I mean, like postal expenses. Yeah. Everything. Every time you mail something, you you you'll have a column for your postage expenses, and then I do it really simply. In my rows column, I have January with a bunch of spaces, February bunch of spaces, etc. Yeah. And then I literally just in every column. Whatever the amount is, I don't say what it is, where it was from, anything. I just say, I went to this restaurant, I spent $28.87. I just put that amount in the meals column. Okay. It literally takes less than two seconds. I have a details column as well. Well, I write like train. But but see, you don't need a train because if you have a train column. Yes, of course. Well, I have a travel column. So I do do car hire. On your taxes? Yeah. Do you actually need to tell the government that it's a train? You know what? I'm not totally sure. I've never done a I've how I did a t- I did my own tax return years and years and years ago, but that was before I was properly bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. And then ever since I've had an accountant who's done it all. But this year I was like I'm not paying like 500 quid on a tax return. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, it's now October and the deadline is January and I still haven't done it. I think that's okay. It's like I got I'm, I'm, this month. I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna sort it out this month. Um, I'm doing a sober October, and I'm gonna sort out my taxes. I think it's a great idea. I also, <laughs> I also want to say another key tip for a business is. I know we, I don't want to criticize you, but don't wait until the last minute because then it becomes a stressful situation. Yeah. You really want to say I'm gonna devote literally. All it really takes in general, once you have this spreadsheet of your rows of expenses, or your rows of dates and your columns of expenses, it will literally take you less than 10 minutes a week to yeah. do your bookkeeping. Less. I know. Right? Because how much do you spend, how many receipts do you end up on your business? Like if you're a startup, you might have more. But in a general thing, you're pro- if you have a small business, you'll probably have maybe 20 to 50 receipts in a week. Yeah. Right? And then if you're spending 30 seconds entering it, that's really not that much time. It doesn't even take 30 seconds. No, you just need to sit down for an hour with a cup of tea every yeah. week. Sunday, Sunday evening. This will be my new routine. Yeah. Sunday evening, cup of tea, maybe a small glass of wine. Yeah. Once October's over. <laughs> I'm just going to sit down, get my receipts out, put it in. But I think like in even like thinking, I've found so much progress in doing everything, like creating music whenever I get the chance, doing bookkeeping, sweeping the floor, mopping the floor with this bucket. Don't um, remind me. That you really get a lot farther if you just devote five minutes to the project. It's really this key secret where you do it for five minutes. If you hate it, you just stop after five minutes. And you're still five minutes farther, which in the bookkeeping world really gets you a lot farther. <laughs> Even in sweeping your floor world, it gets you a lot farther than you were before. And then it doesn't stress you out. But the truth is, you never do it for five minutes. You <laughs> always go longer. But the mental hurdle of saying, oh, I need to spend an hour doing this and relaxing. Eh. No, you just say, I'm going to do only do this for five minutes. And then it turns into 20 minutes. And then you're done. Yeah. It's I know. Great. It's a great system, and because then you always have like five minutes the next day. You always have five minutes. Yeah. It's. W- I really can't recommend it enough. I need to get on it. 
Thank you. Do you feel you. like no, doing I bookkeeping right now? I, I kind I of really, like, really want to do it. I, I really, really want to do I it. I kind of wish I had my laptop. This Me is too. So we could be next to each other. Like, ah. It's kind of a fun activity to do with a friend too. If you have a friend in a small business, <laughs> I, I've done, only done this a couple times, but like you get together and the person brings their box of receipts. Oh my God. And then you're like, bookkeeping brunch yeah you get a little hang (laughs) hang out it's fun and then it's really good to bounce things off of each other because i think what really stymies people for and their progress is not knowing what category something is so if you ask somebody oh wait is this one was this this a taxi or an automobile expense i don't understand the other person will just tell you or you can google it together you know yeah Two brains about them one. Yeah, it's great. It's like co-working. It is co-working. It's, it's not co-working. like co-working. It is co-working. Yeah. Definitively. <laughs> and it's a fact of. Um, can we just quickly touch on budgeting before I let you go? Oh, yeah. I mean, how... What What's that? When, like, say you're... I mean, you're over in the UK right now. Right. Like, how do you decide how much... How do you know how much things are going to cost when you're doing, like, a a business expense of, uh, of this nature like you know maybe it's like a business trip or which i guess essentially touring is a business trip it's 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 the business trip of yeah. a musician's life so like when you know you have or you have like a big week where you have to go and do a load of like marketing or brand activation or something how do you budget how do you plan how do you know what the costs are going to be do you have to build in contingency like how do you how do you lay that out well i never really think that far i think I think a good example is I was thinking on this trip whether or not I should bring my friend who volunteered to play with me for free and just play drums with me and sing and and come all on tour with me. And she wanted to hire a car and I was going to wanted to do a train and because I'm and and I and all I had to do was fly her over and figure out the car and everything. And I think. so th- I think what you really have to do is think of what your options are. So my option was to bring Drew or not bring Drew and then bring Drew with the train or bring Drew with the car. And y- you kind of just have to go through and say, okay, flight costs this much on average. And then, you know, how much does a car for the t- cost for the Eurostar if I'm going by myself versus if I'm going with Drew and then how much does that compare to a car on the ferry and that the budgeting for stuff like that really does take more time mm. than just keeping track of yeah. your receipts and of what you've done. So, but if you're serious about staying in budget, you know, you have to look at what is going to be my income on this trip. What is going to be my income? It's hard to know if you're, kind of in a different small business where if you're selling stuff and you're not really sure, like if you're selling your cookies on the side and you're not sure how many people are going to buy your cookies, then it's really difficult to know if you're going to have the cash. But then, you know, you, you have merch, right? So like I know how many t-shirts I'm going to sell. A lot of bands will, you know, the t-shirts will pay for their petrol. Right. And they'll budget that way. So it's kind of, but I guess how you do you can know how many t-shirts you're going to sell? Well, I guess, you know, you've been to a few gigs before and you sold X amounts. So you kind of, it's a different audience. The venue's this big. I'm but on tour with someone else. But you never know, like, is the table going to be near the door where people are leaving? Or are yeah. they going to stick you in another room where it's dark and nobody goes? Like, there's a lot of factors involved. And I think you kind of, I think you kind of have to treat that stuff is the icing on the cake or the cream of the coffee or yeah. whatever or cream of the milk like whatever your 
analogy is because you need the hard numbers. You kind of need to budget worst case scenario. I think that's the best answer to your yeah. question. Really understand what is my income go definitively going to be and then work within that income. And if it gives you limitations, then it gives you limitations. But if you're going to open a cafe or whatever and you need a loan in order to do the construction, just do the best that you can. Don't just throw money at the problem. Don't just hire some contractor and throw money at it and say, fine, I'll get the marble and the whatever. But do it within reason and always know that there's room to grow within what you've done already. It's kind of like the five minutes. It's like do what you can and then expand upon it when you get that ability. So if you're going to do a big marketing push, like do the little thing and then see what works and then go from there. If you sell a lot of t-shirts. Gotcha. Or cookies. Does Be that reactive. answer your question? I think so. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. I hope your listeners have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Should we do another <laughs> one? Another podcast about like, crisp flavors or something oh my god that's so weird that you said that i literally yesterday was interviewing marika hackman and she was like someone should do a podcast on crisp flavors <gasps> that's so weird thanks to annie for a lovely chat and cliffs in margate for the hospitality you can find our show notes and previous episodes at talktheline.blog and next week i think we're talking to naughty boy about cooking You've been listening to Talk The Line. I'm Jen Long, produced by Paul Bridgewater with original music by Seams. This is a podcast from the line of Best Fit. You can follow us on the internet. You can review this podcast if you're feeling very generous or just give us a subscribe. We'll see you next week. <laughs>